When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code SPOTIFY to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code SPOTIFY at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code SPOTIFY. Hello, welcome to Monday Night Therapy with, uh, with John and Todd. Hi, Todd. How are you doing tonight? I'm just doing great, John. <laughs> great weekend. It was a great and weekend. We had a blast. So, yeah. We, we did. It was, it was, uh, I went to Nebraska this weekend and I went to all three baseball games. Should we talk about baseball? Should we just go right into the big news of the day? Uh, we we got to go to the big news of the day. Heck, we have people that tuned in even before we came on the air. So I think we have to address, you know, the elephant in the room and uh, have some conversation. Wait, that's who we're going to talk about? Yeah. What were you thinking? That, that woman's shot putter that set uh, yeah. records? And, oh, okay. That's what I thought we were going to talk about. We will get to her. We will get okay. to her. All right. All Dylan right. So Dylan Rayola commits to Georgia after months and years and an eon of speculation and so much internet offseason time spent on that one subject. Do you think it was a letdown or do you just think it was something that was bound to happen? I, you know, I, meh. You know, I, I, I don't get into all of this. Um, hype and hullabaloo um you know i, I i've said it a hundred times or more that you know anytime that adults uh who are getting paid a lot of money um start trying to uh figure out what the hell goes on in the minds of 15 16 17 and 18 year old boys is stupid and all of this hype that surrounds recruiting in my mind is a bunch of bs um you know it, it'd be really easy to say that the only reason that nebraska was in it with him is because of his dad's connection to the university yeah i mean it'd be pretty easy to say that but that being said you know kids also have their own minds and who knows, maybe when little Dylan was a toddler, you know, one of those little shavers when he gets into elementary school that he starts, you know, figuring out sports a little bit. Maybe he was a Nebraska fan. Maybe he grew up a Nebraska fan. And so who knows? But to be honest, I really don't care. And would I have liked to have had Dylan Rayola come to the University of Nebraska to play quarterback? I really would because people say he's – really good but there's other good quarterbacks out there and who knows you know in 2020 the 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 winter of 2025 you know uh maybe dylan rayola 
jumps in the portal and ends up at, at Nebraska anyway. Um, whatever. We're going to go to comments right away because uh, they were coming in before we started. Wade Farr has three. He, he posted before anybody even got here. Wade Farr says, will Raiola stay at Georgia if he isn't number one when they play in 2024? If he doesn't play in 2000, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it's I, if he doesn't would, play in 2024, why is that? Does he get have a, up? Is he no, behind? How many people if he is, is he behind? No, if he isn't number one in 2024, oh, as a true maybe, freshman, maybe he might. I don't. I would. You know, I would think you'd stay. I yes, he'll stay at Georgia for a year. I mean, you're going to commit to a team. You're going to go to Georgia. They have already, I think, the number six quarterback out of the 2024 class. And I would think that you go to Georgia, if nothing else, to spend your first year getting the experience with a team that wins national titles. And then if you say, hmm, I don't think this is a good fit for me, then you go somewhere else. But you've experienced what it's like to be around people who are winning national titles in the 2020s instead of the 1990s and you just i mean you can learn a lot from the coaching staff i would guess i mean well, who knows he's he's a young man what was i doing when i was 18 19 you know here's here's <laughs> the thing about it though you know why, why does the number one quarterback prospect in the country go to the number one program currently in the country um you know what why, why does he make that decision well He's either incredibly confident about his own skills and, and believes that he's going to be able to aspire to the starting quarterback role. And maybe in his mind, he recognizes that he may, you know, have to take a red shirt year or something like that while he learns the system. You know, if, if, if he truly wanted to, to challenge for the starting position his freshman year, then I'm not sure that, you know, going to the defending two-time defending national championship team would be the, the place that you would go. I, I don't know because I don't know how good he is. Somebody in the comments asked, is he better than what we already have? Hell, I don't know. You yeah. know, he's a high school quarterback. We That's got, true. You know, we have Jeff Sims who has got, you know, division one snaps under his belt, who's been under fire, you know, in, in games against quality competition. Uh, I haven't, I don't recall seeing very many true freshman quarterbacks step out there under fire, you know, and, and have a tremendous amount of success uh, from Clemson. That's with the Jaguars. Now Trevor Lawrence, you know, he did okay. Uh, so. Yeah. Matt Hansen says, is Rayola a RPO style quarterback? No, he isn't. He's more of a pro style. I think the thing is, is we listen. We looked at uh, our offense, or we saw what the offense might look like during the spring game. Uh, we really haven't seen in live action what the Nebraska offense is going to look like, but it's obvious that it's going to feature a quarterback that's going to be mobile. Royale isn't known as a mobile quarterback. He's known as a more passing style or pro style quarterback, and. You know, Todd said, I don't know if he's that good. Well, the recruiting guys I've talked to said that 
I swear to God that he is like a going to be an NFL number one round or first round draft pick. And he's very mature and he's a leader and, you know, and yeah, it probably hurts to lose him. It would have been nice to have him. I'm sure they would have retooled the offense around his skills, but you know, we'll see what happens in the future if he comes here or not. But Matt, no, he is not really a RPO style quarterback. I gotta. I always have. It's like every week I have to learn how to uh, how to run this comment system. <laughs> Wade Farr asked. Wade Farr got to all these questions in early. That's a hint to the rest of you guys. Wade Farr says, will Uncle be kept on or fired if the line doesn't get better? Well, if the line doesn't get better, he needs to be fired. I mean, yeah, that's that's true for everybody. Listen, I, I here's the thing about right now at this point in time for Nebraska football. I don't want to say this is like the end of the world crucial, but you guys need to realize that 2023 is kind of a special year. It's the year that Nebraska needs to win enough games to wipe the stink off. It doesn't matter who the players are they or the coaches. They need to get together and win enough to get the stink off this program because it stinks. You know, I know we've had a great offseason. Matt Rule said everything right, and he said wonderful things and fullback and run and all the things we want to hear, and he's on stage with Kenny Chesney or some damn thing. But – if you can't get the guys that are going to be the best coaches that you can hire, because in one more year after this, everything changes. The Big Ten becomes a lot more competitive with USC and UCLA joining. And like I've said repeatedly, you want to be in the top four. And if you're not in the top four, it's going to get harder to work your way up there. And the college football playoff expands to 12 teams, and you want to be part of that by being in the top four of the Big Ten because that gives you a shot. So, yeah, I, I would hope that – listen, I'd hope very seriously that the coaches we have now are very competent and none of them have to be fired. But I also hope that Matt Rule doesn't look at a guy and go, well, he's a project because uh, we don't need projects. We need coaches that are competent. And I think that, you know, th th there's going to be a big, I don't want to say a bullseye, but there's going to be a spotlight on, uh, is it Don Donovan Riola, uh, the offensive line coach, that, you know, because of what he's gone through under the guy we fired, that the offensive line was one of the worst in the nation. The tackles were terrible. The tackles and blocking, you know, the offensive tackles. But well, do I think that uh, there, there's a big spot, going to be a big spotlight on him? So. Yeah, I I think regardless of whatever you know Dylan Rayola's decision uh, was going to be, however that came out, Donovan Rayola probably has the toughest job on the coaching staff. Um, you know, he, he does. <laughs> the, the offensive line uh, has to show improvement. Um, you know, I was listening on the radio the other day, uh, and. They were talking to Charles Thompson, Casey Thompson's dad. And, you know, he, he was very politically correct. You know, Casey enjoyed his time, thanked the coaches, thought they, you know, they, he, Charles Thompson said he thought his son got a fair shake, you know, with Coach Rule, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, when they kind of, when the conversation shifted a little bit to him going down to Florida Atlantic, um, a comment that he made was they have a, a very effective pass blocking offensive line. <laughs> you know, 
And and truth be told, it doesn't matter if it's Casey Thompson, if it's Jeff Sims, if it's Heinrich Harbert, or if it's Dylan Rayola, which it's not. We've got to have an offensive line that performs a lot better than what they have in in the past however many years. That's got to happen. Husker Chuck says Georgia has two things we don't have: a good offensive line and excellent receivers. It could be the that could change the season. Boom, bam, woof, we're there. <coughs> One would help. Uh, let's see. I had I had more. Mini Hunt. Mini Hunt says, out of all the Rayola interviews I watched, he never mentioned Nebraska as a possibility. I believe he was giving us a courtesy because he's a fan. Hmm. What do you think of that? Yeah, you be. think that's it? It could be. I don't think you spend your time, honestly. You know, I guess with the the family involvement and the Husker legacy thing, but I guess maybe you do that because you love your uncles and your dad. And I don't know. That just seems far fetched for me. When you I was know, seventeen, eighteen years old, I was about me, Todd. <laughs> I never, I never saw an interview with him. I, I, I read things, um, right? But you know, I mean, the kid is at Pinnacle Bank Arena and he's leading cheers. He and some of his buddies are out at a baseball game at Haymarket Park, and they're doing the Go Big Red cheer. I mean, you know, I don't disagree with what Minnie says. You know, I like I kind of hypothesized maybe when he was a little kid. And he was growing up because his dad went to Nebraska. Maybe, maybe he was a true Nebraska fan. Maybe that's it. MK comes in with, given the Messiah complex we would have placed on Dylan here, is there less pressure on him at Georgia? I, I, I a, don't – go ahead. I think it's a different kind of pressure. Um, yeah, the, would, would the expectations have been out of hand here at Nebraska? Yes. Absolutely. Think about how we've uh, what our expectations were for Adrian Martinez coming off of his freshman year. Uh, you know, do Nebraskans' uh, expectations get a little bit uh, out of hand? Uh, you know, I think in some respects they do. Not always. I think there's a, a number of realists, but it's it's different. Yes, it would have been a Messiah type um, adoration here at Nebraska. At Georgia, the pressure he's going to feel is being the number one recruit going to the number one program in the country who already has some very solid quarterbacks on their roster. You know, it's not like he's walking in uh, to, to a program that's um, where the cookie jar is empty. And, you know, on the flip side of that, the quarterback that won two national championships for Georgia was a walk-on. And the number of high-quality quarterbacks that have left Georgia is significant. You got yeah. one that's quarterback in the Chicago Bears right now that uh, once wore a, a Georgia helmet. So, yeah. Oh, let's see. Alan Alan Meyer comes in and says, without an offensive line, Dylan Rayola is mediocre. And until Nebraska gets a decent offensive line, they won't get a Dylan Rayola. That's probably – well, that's true. I mean, let's just be honest. Um, it really yeah. comes down – we have to win games. Like I said earlier, we need to watch this stink off this program. 
Now, I'm surprised M. Gaboski isn't here tonight because he did make some YouTube comments. Earlier today, I did my reaction video to uh, Dylan Rayola not coming to Nebraska. And M. Gaboski, I kind of played it down because, you know, I think 2023 is a huge year for us. And 2024 seems like so far away. And M. Gaboski said, no, it's a big deal because, uh, you know, a guy like that raises your presence. And then he compared it to Rich Rod not getting... Braxton Miller, I think, or somebody that went to Ohio State and Rich Rod was fired three years later. And man, what a downer that get that guy. Maybe I'm glad he isn't here. The hell with that guy. Okay. What else we got up? Uh, da, 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 da. I think that I think the thing that the, now here's the thing. You guys haven't been that bad about it in chat. I've been watching Twitter and you know, you get all these guys that are like, oh, he wasn't that good anyway. He was overhyped. Uh, you know, all this stuff, how, you know, when you face rejection and then you go, well, she wasn't that nice looking anyway, you know, <laughs> that's essentially what we do with this kind of stuff, which I don't think is a good idea just because there is a chance he goes someplace and doesn't like it and doesn't fit and says, Hey, I want to come back to Nebraska. I don't think you just turn away good players just because, you know, they rejected you one time or play them down because, um, well, because of rejection. So I my that's my long way of saying don't tweet negative things at, at high school football players that might come to Nebraska in the future. Yeah, if uh, you want to tweet negative things, tweet them at Bobby Petrino. Yeah. Hugh Freeze. And, yeah, Hugh Freeze. You know, some of the scum buckets. You know, scum the buckets. Scum buckets. Yeah. I was trying to think of one and nothing came to mind. See how positive I am? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Wade Farr again earlier than everybody else. Who has Nebraska been looking at in place of Rayola? Do you know, Todd? I don't have a clue. I don't follow it that close. I mean, uh, until the papers start, you know, coming out with some of the lists, I I am not a recruit, Nick. Um, you know, I know that some people were wondering – Will the kid from Bellevue West that committed to Missouri, will he change his mind? Um, probably not. Again, he's he's a quarterback that, uh, from what I read, he's a quarterback that doesn't necessarily fit uh, what Rule's looking for. You know, but then I, you know, here's something to keep in mind. You know, perhaps the best homegrown quarterback um, in the past few years uh, is a kid that was out of Gretna. And um, the previous regime did not give him the time of day. Um, I know that Mickey Joseph, when he was uh, named interim, he made a point to try to reach out to the kid. Um, he ended up, he'd already committed to Oklahoma State. You know, who knows? Maybe you know, Oklahoma State, they, they're in really sorry shape with a quarterback down there. But Maybe a year from now, the kid from Gretna is in the portal. And uh, a lot of people think he's got a lot of tools. So is he a, a five-star Dylan Rayola? No. Um, I, I guess we're just going to have to – we're just going to have to see. Stone Saunders is a guy that – I think he tweeted go big right after Dylan Rayola committed to Georgia. And he is a four-star recruit, but he's in the 2025 class. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He visited Lincoln and talked to Matt Rule. And uh, there you go. So Stone Saunders in the future. 
What do we got? We got two years of Jeff Sims or one? We're supposed to know this stuff off the top. He's of our got head. two years of eligibility. Well, Jeff there Sims you go. There you go. So 2025, you know, I think you want to find, I think the biggest problem when you look at this is we spent enough time on Dylan Rayola. We might've missed other top prospects, but I, I don't know. There's this thing where you say, Oh my God, if you don't get the best recruits, you're never going to get up here. And then you're, there's this other thing that says, we better have patience in trying to get up here because it's, because honestly, the guy we fired, and because we were patient, and because we didn't really keep our eyes wide open, uh, the honest to God truth is our program is, quite frankly, in the toilet. I know it's been a good off season, but my God, we haven't been to a bowl. And Kansas went to a bowl, right? Kansas. <laughs> okay, well, let's you, move on. Let's move you, on to happy. One, one last thing. Yeah, I, I have to believe that Coach Rule and his staff have other quarterbacks in the class of 2024 on, on a list someplace that they have had conversations. I can't believe as thorough as that guy has been in everything else that he's done, that he hasn't reached out and made some contacts with other quarterbacks. Um, it, right. it, it, it doesn't make sense to me that, yeah, Fred Sacco kind of says it's here. I don't think he put all of his eggs in one basket and with Dominic Creole or Dylan Rayola, by the same token, you know, um, he'll have to decide how high of a priority is bringing in a quarterback um, with with that class. So, hey, Matt Hansen says they should get a Mastodon Muppet for Herbie to ride. This is a good segue for me to guy show you guys this. I am working on some designs for new t-shirts and this is one of the potential winning designs that I'm that uh, we might look at uh, putting on a t-shirt. This is just one of several, but I am working on man killing Mastodon t-shirts for well for fans to be honest with you. There you go. There's one of such option. Uh and we'll 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 Wow, Linda Wilkins comes in with the with the you wound me, Linda. Linda Wilkins says, John, did you have color in your hair the last time Nebraska went to a bowl? Wow. Well, if you're gonna become <laughs> I have color in my hair. Shill, if you're gonna become a capitalist shill trying to bleed, you know, hard earned money out of people for Mastodon t shirts, you better dye your hair. You better look more like Joe Schweibacher or Weird Wally or one of those hucksters out there that sells Didn't people have, things they don't need. What did they have? What? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I am taken aback. This is a color. <laughs> Come on, Linda. Okay. <sighs> uh, what's next? Is well, there any more Dylan Rayola? I mean, we are looking at other quarterbacks. Uh you know, I could probably pull it up here, but I think that, you know, we'll find a quarterback for the 2024 class. I'm not really worried. I, I'm i still thinking about 2023. What's going to happen this season? So the whole right. Dylan, right? That's a whole year away, and there's there's plenty of time to do this stuff. Yeah. I know that we, we spend time in the offseason. Here's the thing. 
I don't think we've done this as much, but we have, we collectively, as people who put out content that people devour for Nebraska football, this offseason has spent more time on Dylan Rail than probably 98% of anything else. And I know that you guys love to talk about Nebraska football, but we at least try to cover the other programs and stay with like what's going on with Nebraska baseball and other things like that, wrestling. Uh, so we're, I don't think we're really as worried as b- much about content as they are. I, th- I saw some of, some of them on Twitter uh, kind of facetiously saying, now what are we going to talk about? Well, there's, we have well, a long history and we have other teams. You know, there's, okay. there's still some, there's some other movement that's been kind of low-key with the football program. You know, uh, another negative is a kid from Westside, the Teddy Rezac, he committed to Notre Dame. I think there's like, I don't know that, I don't follow Nebraska high school football as close as a lot of people do, but I think they're like three of these Rezac brothers that are all pretty fair players that have all gone out of state to play. Um, on the flip side of this, Matt Rule did announce that they're giving scholarships uh, to Bullock and Borchaker, um, a couple of walk-ons and well-deserved. And, you know, it, it, it kind of begs the question. We saw a number of Nebraska players go into the portal. You know, people were kind of doing math. And I think somebody at Coronation figured we were probably four or five guys above 85 scholarships. But I know that uh, on on one of the call-in shows, Greg Sharp indicated the other day that we're uh, that we are under the 85 scholarships. So that means – there are some players that have moved on or are moving on uh, that have not made made that public at this point in time. So um, that that leads one to believe that maybe they are going to look in the portal portal a little bit and see if they can pick up some uh, pick up some other players. So, do we want to move on to other sports now? Yeah, better talk track and field. Big Ten champions. The men's. They, here's the thing. Okay, you guys, men, a men's team, a men's team at the University of men's. Nebraska. Men's team. A men's team has won Athletes a Big Ten with championship. Testosterone. <laughs> the men's track and field team won the Big Ten. Let's see. Uh, they won their first Big Ten outdoor title since 2016 with 151 points. Minnesota was second with 122. Iowa was third with 120. So they actually, I, I don't want to call that an ass kicking because I don't know track that well, but that seems like a fairly dominant performance. I was going to post all the winners, but the women, the women's track team finished third. And let's see, we have, we have one thing we have to show you from the women's track team. And that is this, uh, Alexina Johansson broke the school record in the women's shot putt with a throw of 63 feet, 4 inches, 19.3 meters for those of you who are in Europe. Number one in the nation, number one in school history, number two NCAA indoor throw all time, number two worldwide in 2023 in the Sweden indoor record holder. I hope that's from now. <laughs> that is um, that, that is from earlier. I mean, that's that's putting it out there. Sixty three feet four inches. I mean, that's, for a shot put. For a shot put, that's uh, that's pretty damn good. 
I mean, that's amazing. And, and you know, Nebraska has, you know, the bread and butter with the track program the last few years have been throwers. And they have recruited athletes from all over the world that have come in and uh, they've done an incredible good job with the throws and the jump events and, and some of those types of things. So uh, good on them. And, you know, it, it might be I, people might pay a little more attention to track and field with some of the athletes that Matt Rule is bringing on because he's he's bringing on players that also indicate that they're going to that they're going to run track. So um, maybe a little more hope, high profile for the for the track team. Husker in Hanover says, yes, it was a blowout for track and field. So there you go. That's kind of nice. You know, I guess a lot of this is not a sport where people are going to build their egos off our track and field team. And quite frankly, it was I was in Lincoln this weekend and I read the Lincoln Journal Star, wherever it is now. And it was buried on like page 18 or something of the sports page. They don't have that many pages anymore, but like page four, which you kind of go. I mean, it's a championship. Come on. I know it's just not as big a thing as football, but they deserve recognition. Uh, let's see. Wait, what's going on here, Todd? What is with this uh, this Jace Wolverton who says, I'd totally place a bounty on John's rat tail? Where did that come from? It come from the oh. comment section. Holy Apparently shit. it came from somebody else in your house. <laughs> is that what's going on here? <laughs> well, I didn't know that he cared enough to watch. Holy smokes. Uh, okay, what what's next? Uh, let's see. Brian Bauer says, who didn't need Jarrah Speed, damn it? Well, I, you know what? I honestly, at this point, at this point, I, I you know, is Jarrah Speed still around? No, I don't. I think it died with Joe Schweibach. <laughs> Was there actually speed in it? Because, you know, back in the day, they used to sell just sell that stuff and not think too much about it. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know that I ever actually saw a container of Jarrah Speed, let alone, you know, a, one of the actual tablets. I just shot Joe Schweibach, you know, holding that sucker up there. Husker so. Chuck says, can we put a leather helmet on the skeleton at Morrill Hall? That is a damn good question. I think that's that a good down. idea. It is a good idea. And I'd, like, I'd like to comment about, you know, getting, getting that Mastodon t-shirt over there to Elephant Hall. That's... That's a good idea. Well, we're going to have – here's what's going to happen. Uh, I think today – tomorrow is the last day then that uh, the site I'm using will accept new designs, and then we're going to take – what I'm going to pick is like the top four or five designs and put them up for public vote, and we'll see which one you guys like the best. And that will become the Man Killing Mastodons T-shirt. And uh, we should move on to baseball now. Well – that was the highlight of my weekend. And, um, it was. you know, little foreshadowing, Nebraska finally beat a team from Omaha on, on Creighton. So they avoided a total wipeout sweep um, against Creighton and, and UNO. And those midweek games just have been incredibly frustrating uh, for me and uh, fans. But John came down. He this weekend and uh, took in all three of the ball games. Friday night was an absolute blow. Uh, Nineteen to four, Nebraska just you know unloaded on Penn State, and then uh, the next two games were a little bit closer than that. But 
Nebraska was, was and uh, in all of those. And um, we're here for the season, so we're going to tell job of tailgate at one of the baseball games, the last series uh, next year. Uh, to do something. Uh, we'll see if that can happen. Uh, maybe. Uh, now, what did you think of the game Saturday, John? I, I, I just thought Saturday was almost perfect. You're breaking up pretty good. <laughs> uh, what did I? You know what? I had a ball at all the baseball games. I think you guys that get to go to this stuff are really spoiled because, uh, you know, I I I enjoyed it. I, I enjoy being at Haymarket Park. You know, I it's fun for me being around other Husker fans because I don't get out much. And uh, you know, it was nice being there, and it was nice. Yeah, the thing about it is, and I didn't really want to bring this up at the games. But it had been a while since I'd actually seen a Nebraska baseball team win in person because I had usually chosen to go to the games that I thought that we were actually – like when Nebraska was up here for the, the bank U.S. Bank Stadium games, uh, I only had the chance to go to one, and I was the one that I knew they'd probably lose. I think it was Ole Miss, one of the top teams in the nation last year. And uh, – I think before that it was Rutgers in 2022 and I got to bring him back. It bring was Rutgers. Back. The last time Rutgers played in Nebraska, we got swept and Nebraska's baseball. Sid was upset with me and blamed me for it, but it was nice to see us win. I was a little bit uh, disappointed on Friday night because I wanted 30 runs. <laughs> I did. I, I can't, I hate Penn state's baseball program. Uh, they don't try. They really don't. They don't put much effort in their baseball program. And I wanted us to not just beat them. I wanted us to embarrass the shit out of them because I, they don't. And when I say they don't try, and I've said this over and over, and I'm going to say it again, they don't bother scheduling anybody. So they're one of those teams that when you get into, like right now, right now Nebraska's RPI I think is 101 uh, as D1 baseball shows the RPIs. That is not a good enough RPI for Nebraska to get into the NCAA tourney without winning the Big Ten tournament. Now, is that all in Nebraska's fault? Well, let's put it the other way. Is some of that Nebraska's fault? Of course it is. They lost terrible midweek games to really lowly rated RPI teams. Now, if they'd have won all those games, it might still have been a problem because the Big Ten, some of the teams in the Big Ten schedule so poorly that no matter if you beat them or you you lose to them, you, your, RPI, or your RPI is going down anyway. And Penn State is one of those teams. So I was glad we, you know, we won all three games against Penn State and swept them. And uh, I had a blast. And in fact, hey, get her here. I caught a T-shirt and I'd never done. Here's the thing. I have, I have not been a fan for a while and I am getting to enjoy being a fan instead of a guy that has to. I realized this Saturday night. I thought it was a beautiful Saturday night. And, uh, you know, the people were into it and people were yelling and screaming and baseball was fun. 
but I realized that uh, I didn't have to work or do anything. I could just sit there, watch a sport and yell. And uh, I did yell. I yelled very loudly, destroy their hopes and dreams. And my, because and my sister, Mary, who's a very nice person, asked me, did you yell at the games? And I said, yes, I, I yelled, destroy their hope and dreams. And she thought I was being mean. So, so here's what this looks like. Here's the mighty unwrapping. That's kind of cool. Yeah. They, is, that what K, K, is that what K stands for? K strike them cool? out. Strike them out. <laughs> They uh, they chuck those T-shirts at the end of every inning when Nebraska pitchers strike out a guy. So good oh, really? on John for getting one of those things. You know, now John on Friday night did they have the cheerleaders there like they had them on Saturday? So was it one of those cheerleaders that caught you out of the corner of her eye and did a little <laughs> wink? No, no. no. All I know is that people I didn't know what was going on and people next to me stood up. And that I didn't even know they were throwing T-shirts, and all of a sudden I see this thing fly over the outstretched hands of people standing up around me, and I just went like this, and there was a T-shirt there, and I went, "Whoa, look, Santa!" Uh, I also i I tried to uh, kill myself with a peanut. Yeah, um, I'm I'm going to say that everybody nearby is probably pretty lucky that you, in fact, didn't kill yourself with a peanut. Uh, I, I, I never, okay. I said, I'm getting used to being a fan again. So I bought a bag of peanuts, you know, and they're peanuts in the shell and I was unwrapping them and I happen to have one in my hand here at the same time. I have this bag of peanuts and I am screaming at the top of my lungs, something. And the, right as I finish my scream, before I'm done yelling, I throw this peanut into my mouth. And, of course, since you yelled all the breath out of you, you have to inhale. And I inhaled the damn thing, I think, right into my lungs, straight into my lungs. <laughs> Didn't even stop in my throat. Just went straight into my lungs. And then it was a, um, it was a, you know, it was a fun getting it back out. And then I had to cough a peanut right back out of my lungs. And the people around me, the people around me were uh, very amused by this. And uh, let's see what else. What else did I actually do? We we talked about the tailgate. Uh, there was a one of the things that happened was Max Anderson scored from second. Now that's not a big deal, but there was a listen. I don't know if you you guys have seen Max Anderson in person, but Max Anderson, if, if if you took his baseball uniform off of him, you just saw him like walking around someplace. You go, well, that's kind of a dopey looking fifteen year old kid, and then he gets in a baseball uniform and put puts on you know gets a bat up and he can do a lot of things. But one thing I don't think anybody thought he could do was uh, tag on second with a sacrifice fly and make it all the way home. Apparently the Penn State coaches didn't think he could do that because they challenged him leaving early. Penn State has a really good center fielder, and I forget his name. He made a lot of plays, but on this play, he made a running dive of a fly ball and caught it. Anderson tagged it second and ran home and beat a throw at home. And I guess Aaron said something about he didn't think Aunt Max could run that fast, so... He knows more about baseball than I do, and he's at all the games. And there, I thought I'd bring that up. It well, was like Max Anderson was was, you know, punching up his resume. When when Nebraska gets a lead, 
you know, they are incredibly aggressive on the base paths. And, you know, they they play small ball. They try to put the ball in play, hitting and running, you know, hitting behind runners. They do an excellent job with that. Heck, on Saturday, Ben Columbus, who, you know, hits the ball incredibly hard. I mean, I can't believe that guy doesn't have a bunch of home runs this year. But anyway, his first three at-bats were all sacrifice bunts. And uh, if he if he had one more sacrifice bunt during the game, that would have been a Nebraska record for sacrifice bunts. You know, somebody had asked in the comments earlier, what's Nebraska's record? Well, at this point, they're 29-20-1. Um, you know, and uh, but as John had said, it's that RPI, you know, that's going to be uh, the biggie. And it's, again, it's, it's – I, I would have called Saturday night almost magical. Not because – I mean, there have been better games played. There have been bigger wins at the ballpark um, in, you know, at, at Haymarket. Uh, you know, I can think of games against Texas and, and Creighton and Noreen. I mean, there have been some amazing games there over the years. But, you know, the weather was perfect. There was no wind. Probably the biggest crowd – of the season was there on that Saturday night and Nebraska, including John and Nebraska was clicking on all cylinders. And, you know, it's a pretty special thing when you have a couple of players, you know, Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson, they're both juniors, but you know, that Sunday was probably the last game that they're ever going to play at Haymarket park um, because both of them right now are, are considered to be, you know, draft picks that will get chosen in the first five rounds. So, um, you know, that's their life dream is to play professional baseball. And in all likelihood, if they get drafted, they are going to go. But, you know, you got two guys that are both hitting right at 20 home runs. Um, You know, the the team is on track for possibly breaking uh, the team home run record, which I think there's a chance because out at Purdue – um, you know, that's a ballpark where you can, you can hit home runs. Um, you know, you just kind of wonder if Purdue has put their tarp up for the year. Have they put it, <laughs> have they taken it and put it in the storage shed thinking you need to, to you need to explain that to people. Um, well, the, the last year, um, when Nebraska played the final series of the season out at Purdue, um, Nebraska had an opportunity to still make the Big Ten tournament. And um, they would have to, you know, get a uh, – I think they had to win two, two of three or something like that. Um, but the last game of the series, uh, it rained the night before, and Purdue didn't tarp the field. And um, then the next day uh, – you know, there was rain in the forecast and there was a bunch of back and forth arguing about whether or not they could play the game. Well, ultimately that decision's in the hands of the umpires, but truth be told, the umpires are going to work with the grounds crew and that type of thing. And they ended up calling the game, canceling the game on Saturday afternoon. Never mind sticking around maybe until Sunday to try to get the game in. But because Purdue didn't play that game on Saturday afternoon. They got into the Big Ten tournament, and Nebraska didn't. So this they year, left their they left their tarp on the field the yeah. entire time. Yeah, man. And um, 
they and and it didn't rain. It didn't rain. So, you know, the the kicker on all this is this year, uh, Coach Bolt isn't taking any chances. Um, they are flying out early, and they are flying back on Sunday. The games are scheduled for Thursday, Friday, and Sun or Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So, Coach Bolt's going to have the team there an extra day, just in case Purdue has issues with their tarp once again, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, no shenanigans because apparently Nebraska has clinched a spot in the tournament, but Purdue could actually get into the tournament. It would be beneficial to Purdue to lose a game. I mean, not lose a game, but to drop a game, you know, from a percentage standpoint against oh. some of the other teams. You mean drop as in not play? Drop as in not play. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen out in Purdue. But our own Aaron Rostovsky, he is flying out to Purdue for the uh, for the three-game series with the sole intention of making sure that that tarp is handled properly and uh, that Purdue cannot pull any shenanigans uh, against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Those are the links that my staff will go to to protect our Nebraska Cornhuskers teams. Uh, Wade Farr comes in with a comment that says, why man-killing like the Mastodon, just not the words? Wade, you need to go watch my video I did about how Nebraska got their nicknames. Because I'll give away, at the end, there's a bonus nickname. And in 1920, 1921, the Pittsburgh Dispatch referred to Nebraska as a group of man-killing mastodons. That's where this comes from. It is a nickname that Nebraska has been referred to in the past, but uh, nobody acknowledges it and everybody forgot it. Um, let's go back to Alan Meyer for an earlier comment. He said earlier, Raiola was a nice fantasy only way he comes here is as a transfer after not starting for two to three years, a la Joe Burrow. Maybe then he can do for Nebraska what Burrow did for LSU. That's a nice thought. And then there's the other thought of, uh, you know, Dylan Royola winning a Heisman somewhere and somebody saying stuff like, wouldn't it have been, remember when Dylan Royola was going to come to Nebraska just like they did with that Joe Burrow stuff? Uh, who knows what the future holds? Uh, wait, we need to go. We missed a sport, softball. Yeah, softball uh, got beat in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament by eventual champions Northwestern. They uh, they did not finish the season well. I think they lost six of the last eight games. But you know, opposite of the baseball team, you know their RPI was pretty good. I think their RPI was thirty six or thirty seven, and so you know they were considered to be a bubble team, but they did get selected. And for the second year in a row, they're going to play in a regional tournament down at Stillwater. The interesting thing about that whole Stillwater thing is that Nebraska will play against Wichita State. Wichita State has beaten Nebraska twice this year, and Wichita State has beaten Oklahoma State twice this year. So even though Oklahoma State is the top seed in the regional and playing on their home field, um, Wichita State has is four and zero against them and against Nebraska. Now get this comment. Alan Meyer comes in with a comment. 
My grandfather lost half a lung to a peanut in his lung. Alan, is that is that a real comment? Is that a, something that really happened? Because now I'm going to have nightmares. You better be careful with more careful with your peanut. I guess <laughs> it's the uh, it's the 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 complete coordination that I've always had in my entire life. Uh, what else do we have? We're at forty eight minutes. Well, did you hear that Dylan Rayola is going to go to Georgia? <laughs> ah, uh, let's see. Let's. Uh, did, did you know, know that, that Jenny Chesney was going to be at Pinnacle on the night of the baseball game? I didn't know that. How did I miss that? Kenny Chesney is on my bucket list of people to see, and somehow – that went above me. I could have done both. I could have gone to the baseball game, and then I could have hustled over to the Pinnacle Bank Arena. I could have hung out with Matt Rule and watched Kenny Chesney sing some of the greatest country songs of the last 30 years. But is I that real? Are you, seriously Kenny oh, Chesney? I like Kenny Chesney. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't. I don't know any country singers that I could name that I would go. Oh, I'd go to a concert for that guy. Would you go watch I, Jimmy Buffett in concert? Yeah, I would. Well, I kind of. Jesse's the country Jimmy Buffett. Okay. Okay, let me let me clarify that. I don't know if I'd go see Jimmy Buffett. 20 years ago, I would have gone to see Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I don't know if right now I would have gone to see Jimmy Buffett. Uh, I don't know how Benny, Jimmy Buffett's doing, but I'm guessing all those margaritas have an effect on you after a while. Like you can't get up and go to concerts or parties like you're supposed to. Hey, we got some good ideas coming in here. Okay. You know, the sellout of the volleyball game at Memorial Stadium. Yeah, you know, we we touched on that a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, the more I think about the, the fact that, I mean, I honestly thought, you know, we talked about it. I talked about it with you. Yeah, I think I'll go down and watch. It'd be fun to say that I was there. All along, I figured, you know, if I decide that's that day to go down to Lincoln and go in and watch a volleyball game where maybe there's 40,000, 50,000 people, no problem getting a ticket. Holy crap. You know, the fact that they sold 82,000 or however many, some odd thousand tickets to that volleyball game is absolutely incredible to me. Um, amazing. Joel Tilson comes up with a question I forgot about. I did have it marked. Uh, will Oregon and Washington join the Big Ten? That's been some of the big scuttlebutt out there. I just, uh, you know, it's the offseason, and you see a lot of people create stuff. And I, I here's the thing with the Big Ten expansion. I don't, right now you have a contract, and I don't think that contract's going to get any bigger, which means if you have Oregon and Washington joining the Big Ten you're going to get less money if you're in Nebraska. So, I, you know what I mean? You're diluting the pool. Now, will Oregon and Washington join the Big Ten if the Pac-12 completely falls apart? Uh, you know, they're probably, I think, uh, was it Joel that also said that they've been vetted to join the Big Ten? I, I guess all of this stuff is in play depending upon what happens with the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and their TV contracts. And my God, the Big 10 and the SEC are getting way more money to the point that uh, it's becoming dangerous for everybody else. And I probably would look at, you know, 
the ACC and say, okay, what's going to happen with Florida State and Clemson? And then you've heard this, you might have heard this noise that maybe there's going to be 60 teams that break away and form their own Super League. And that, that rumor's been in every offseason well, well, John, since I was a kid. It was reported today that seven of the ACC schools, including Florida State and Clemson and Miami, um, are are having some conversation about some kind of a, I don't want to say necessarily a contract or something about how they are, they as an entity are going to try to figure out if they can get out of the ACC's contracts, television commitments and all that kind of stuff. And in essence, make themselves the way I read this in essence, kind of make themselves available uh, as either a new conference or to pull other, other schools in. And, I haven't read the article, but Sports Illustrated had a feature article about the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC, and how they are not going to survive as separate entities. So, um, you know, the Washington fans or a Washington fan kind of got under the skin of some Nebraska fans when they, you know, put out on some kind of message board that, um, if the Big Ten knew what they were doing, they'd boot Nebraska out and bring Washington in because Washington has blah, 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 blah. You know, um, I would venture to say that the Big Ten's going to add a couple more teams. And I would venture to say that we're going to see a lot of shifting um, with with the ACC, the Big 12 and the Pac-12. But uh, who's going to make the first move? What's the or excuse me, the next? When, when, when do you think this is going to happen? I would say sooner, with, sooner or later. I'd say within the next two years. Okay, within the next two years, I I can see that happening just because uh, I don't know. There just seems to be a lot. There's a lot of flux, and there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, you know. Well, the Pac-12 isn't going to be making any money whatsoever. Alan Meyer says if it's about prestige, it'll be Cal and Stanford. If it's about money, Clemson and Notre Dame. Well, I think you probably could answer your own question there. <laughs> I mean, all of this stuff has become about money. Uh, well, maybe I missed it then. <laughs> the English is going, people. Wade Farr says Mastodon is a better mascot than plain white farmer. Maybe a lot of good players think Herbie is kind of racist. I mean, most Indian mascots got canned just saying, uh, <laughs> but I missed the one that I wanted to hit. Oh, Joe Tilson says 12-team college football playoffs will be great. I didn't think that. I didn't think that until we had um, Scott Docterman on, and he pointed out that if Nebraska gets into the college football playoff, that the moment – that we have an on-campus game will become the biggest game in our school history. And I thought, my God, he's right. And it just, I guess you look at that and you go, that is, that is huge. Uh, Joel Tilson says 12 team playoff this year. No, it's one year yeah. away. Yeah. One year away. So I have to not kill myself with peanuts. <laughs> And uh, to see I can make it that hard. Uh, okay. Wait, I, I do want to announce one other thing. I am going to probably be setting up a Patreon. And a Patreon is something where you can contribute to our site. Uh, and the reason I'm going to set up a Patreon for it is for the college football history videos. 
And basically it'll have his tiers. Like you can give me five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. And the reason that I really want to do this is because I'm going to keep doing the college his football history videos. Uh, I want them to get more deeper in depth as I get better at it. But the problem with getting deeper in depth means I'm probably going to have to go to library collections across the nation. And I know that at some point I'm probably going to have to pay to have collections digitized or to have, get, you know, they're going to say, uh, you need to pay us to have access to this. So that would be, that would be one reason. And then, you know, just because, I don't know, would help me do this more instead of my real job. Uh, okay. I don't, we're going to finish early, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with finishing early. Alan Meyer said is it's because you need the cash. That's exactly right. I'm not going to be shy about that. It would be nice. I spend a lot of time on the history videos, the research and having the subscriptions to things that uh, it's nice. Uh, what we're going to do with future shows, I didn't do this for this Monday because honestly, I thought I would be in Lincoln till Monday and I didn't know if I'd get back in time for tonight's show. And uh, we didn't have a guest. But what we're going to try to do is find teams, other teams, people from other teams like Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin. We already did Iowa. Michigan. I mentioned Michigan. Purdue. We. I know some Purdue people we can talk to. Uh, <laughs> we'll wait until after baseball season to talk to the Purdue people just so uh, I don't attack them vociferously. You know, there's one more thing I'll tell you that we did. Andy Ketterson, who writes for us, brought his daughter to the baseball game. And at one point, I yelled, yay. And Andy thought I yelled something different. And it's clear Andy's going deaf. And we were explaining what I yelled to Andy, that it was just a simple yay after, like, we scored a run. And Andy turned to his daughter and said, he says egad a lot. And she did not know that egad was a word. It's egad. That's it. Egad. You know, shock, dismay. So for a few innings, I used other words to entertain her for the rest of the night, like gadzooks, uh, poppycock, and balderdash. So that was one other thing I had fun doing was expanding Andy's daughter's vocabulary. And there wasn't even any profanity in there because I, you know, when I, I was at the baseball game, I was a nice human being. And I would like to thank you for all the people that came up and said hello to us and everything like that. Uh, that's all I got, Todd. I was kind of stretching it. Yeah, I don't have anything else, John. I'm kind of tuckered out. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good night, Todd. Good night, John. <laughs>